0: Welcome to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. I'm special correspondent Rebecca Picard, your host for this episode, and for a Women in Diplomacy series on culinary diplomacy. My guests today are Amanda Warner and Margaret Chin, founders of culinary nonprofit Better Plate Community in Columbus, Ohio, along with two of the chefs they work with through the initiative, Kukwa Yamape of Asempe Kitchen Catering and Bedisha Nag from CreateYourCurry.com. Welcome, ladies. Culinary diplomacy is essentially the use of food and cuisine to bring people together and promote cross-cultural exchange and understanding. In the last episode, we discussed the different levels of culinary diplomacy, and today I want to introduce the Citizen to Citizen Initiative. Margaret and Amanda, can you each talk a little bit about your journey into the food world?
1: Sure. So my professional background is in learning and computers, so it's pretty unrelated to this initiative, To Better Plate but I have been lucky enough to be able to travel quite a bit, including two years when I was traveling with my husband and son. We were staying in a different country every month. And so in every country we were in, um, I would try to take cooking classes. And some of the cooking classes would be in a classroom, so more formal classes, but a lot of times they were in someone's kitchen, the kitchen of the person who was leading the class in most cases. And it was such an amazing way to connect with people over food and cooking and see what they had in their kitchens, And I loved it. And then towards the end of the trip, I was in Berlin for a month. And I had the opportunity to attend the events of an organization that is really designed to connect refugees and the settled population. And it was great. I I went, I was a guest chef as like a foreign American cook there. I went to an event where a Syrian was leading a cooking class. And so when I came back to Ohio and came back to Columbus, I knew I wanted to start something like this. I told Margaret about the idea and she said, hey, let's do it. And so we started.
0: And Margaret, how do you see your journey into this? initiative?
1: Well, pretty much, Amanda
2: I summed it up pretty well. I have a, a background in teaching and social work, and I don't really know if that really helps much in this, it's just, you know, when I had talked with Amanda, she pitched this idea and told me a little bit about the class that she had taken specifically in Berlin and we we talked about, you know, if this was going to be a thing, you know, what might it look like and at some point it was just like, yep, this is the first thing we're going to do and then it just became a large list of things to work towards the goal, getting this started.
0: How does Better Plate Community work? How do the classes and dinner work? And what role do each of you play in that?
2: So I'm co-founder, I consider myself. I'm the secretary of the board. Um, specifically for the classes, what we do is we we just look for people that are immigrants or refugees who are, at first we were looking for specifically experienced home cooks, um, not necessarily professional, but then we did meet Fadisha and Kukwa. And they are, you know, experienced and they are professional because they have their own businesses as well. They're also immigrants. And so we just, we find people, they want to leave classes, they're willing to, it might be a new thing. For example, one of our cooks, it was the first time that she had taught a class that, you know, she wasn't teaching her children or friends or something along those lines. And we decide on recipes, what recipe will work well in this time period that we have. and The location so far has been Amanda's kitchen, which has been a really great intimate setting. And we are moving to a professional kitchen coming up in the next couple of classes, and we'll see how that goes. It's a little bit of a larger class, and we you know work on preparing food, and then at the end uh, we have a, a really good time of just sitting down and talking about kind of whatever comes up, either talking about the food or about the people specifically or whatever comes up. Amanda, do you have anything to add
1: to that? No, I think that's yeah a great summary of the cooking classes and what we do. I mean, the the other thing that we do as an organization in addition to these cooking classes is we have community events. And so those are larger, but they're also related to food and that everyone, um, we, we have not everyone, we have several people who bring dishes generally around a certain theme we all sample them, we talk about the food, and lots of people get the chance to meet. And for those, we try to balance them. So we have try to have um, sort of half more of the settled population and half more refugees and immigrants. And just so we're building those connections between people.
0: I consider all four of you culinary diplomats. Kukwa and Badisha, can you share how you see yourselves as culinary
3: diplomats and how you got into this business? You know, I didn't really start this as a business, and I moved to this country 25 years ago, and I lived in Lincoln, Nebraska for 14 years. I lived in Chicago for a few years, then in Princeton, New Jersey for seven years, and I moved to Columbus last year. So during this time, I mean, there has been a lot of instances, you know, we got together over food, being as a student or being as you know somebody who is interested in food like we had groups where we had like 10 or 12 people from different countries and it so happened that we said oh you know let's do a potluck and then we would see oh there is one from japan one from you know china one from indonesia and we would talk over things like oh how do you cook this how do you cook that and we used to really really enjoy that and that was in chicago And even before that, in um, Nebraska, I mean, people would say, you know, what did you really, you know, do there uh, for so long? And I always say, I think that was like the best learning experience of any kind. Because basically because you did not have a lot to do over there, we made the best friendships ever of any place. And still now we have like our closest friends in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so there also, you know, people were not really familiar with international cuisine all the time. So we kind of, you know, we were like ambassadors. We would cook Indian food. We would invite people. We would have like international food day where students from different countries would cook. And the one other thing that actually ties very well with Better Plate is Lincoln, Nebraska was also a refugee resettlement city. So we had a big population of people from Vietnam as well as Iraq and when they came the restaurants they started they were just amazing so we would really you know go to all kinds of restaurants in that little town it's not really little little but it's you know small compared to many other places. So, you know, fast forward those days, and here I am in Columbus, and I was, you know, trying to look for a full time job. And this group I was working with, they said that, you know, you have to have a network, you just cannot you know, apply for a job and, you know, get a job over here. So how do you do that? I said, Okay, let me try to, you know, come up with something. And I uh, sent out a message to my neighbors saying that I'm interested in teaching Indian cooking because so many people I met, they said that, oh, we love Indian food. Do you know how to cook this? Do you know, you know, where is the best whatever you can find in what restaurant? So anyway, I sent an email to my neighbors saying that, oh, I'm new here. I'm thinking of opening a cooking class. And then overnight, I got like 20 to 25 replies. So I went back to the lady the who was my coach, and I told her, now what should I do? She said, wow, uh, in that case, you actually need to open a company. You cannot just, you know, keep on doing that. There isn't a lot of liability issues, whatnot. And so I thought, okay, let me do that. So I opened my company. And when I actually started teaching, you know, maybe four or five students at a time, I also realized that my background in cultural geography, my PhD uh, dissertation was on women's migration from India to the United States. So, this blends in very well with my class. So, my classes are more like a cultural journey, not only with food, but also, you know, why people eat this, eat that, whatever. It's, you know, it's it's all over the place. So, I am really, really, you know, enjoying that whole aspect of this cooking classes and now you know I have just joined the board of Better Plate and I think you know that's like the most wonderful thing that that could have happened from my cooking class journey.
0: I want to jump back to Margaret and Amanda and ask you guys how is your community benefiting from Better Plate?
1: I think the community is benefiting through just increased connections. Um, so, I mean, people are meeting people and trying foods that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. We are trying to create sort of a platform where refugees and immigrants can, in some cases, earn some money. So we, we pay them to lead the cooking classes, but just also just make connections um, with the rest of the community. And so maybe meet people who become friends or become business connections or just just somehow have that connection later in the future. I think that that was an an excellent summary,
2: actually. And I, I think that kind of, I mean, another question was, you know, how are immigrants or refugees benefiting? And I think they're kind of connected, even though I can't, I couldn't say specifically how, you know, any one immigrant or any one refugee or even as a whole would be benefiting. But what I can hope and what I think that the platform is that we have provided is that we are welcoming Community, and we hope that they, you know, consider taking advantage of this platform where they can teach us something and we're showing them that we value what they have to say. And hopefully, in some way, that they are benefiting from that and us providing just having
3: better played
0: around. So, Badisha, do you have another insight on how immigrants and refugees might be benefiting from this program?
3: Um, A lot of times, I think um, immigrants and refugees, they tend to just stay within their own community. So this definitely gives them a platform to, you know, go outside of their cocoon and actually, you know, see the world. Because, as I said, I came to this country as a student, so my perspective or my outlook or... Uh, my approach is very different because we automatically, you know, were inside a university and, you know, we had we mingled with everybody, but uh, not necessarily everybody gets that advantage. So I think this uh, organization provides an excellent, what would I say, like a platform where we can do that.
0: I want to try to open up the questions to everyone, whoever wants to answer. I understand that most, if not all, the chefs involved with Better Plate are women. And since this is a woman-focused podcast, I would love to hear how Better Plate has, or how you guys feel Better Plate has impacted women in the community.
1: So I I will start. So first of all, it hasn't necessarily been our specific choice to only work with women. It's just these are the people that we have met who cook and express interest in cooking so we would be entirely willing to to, to have um, mid-lead cooking classes as well. But I think that in some cases, I mean, depending on the background and circumstances of the cook, I mean, this can be an opportunity for someone to earn money, maybe to get out of not really their comfort zone a little bit, but I, I guess a little bit. So they're doing something they're very used to do and familiar with, so cooking. But they're doing it with other people, and they're getting a chance to sort of expand um, maybe how they think of themselves as as someone who has the skill that they're sharing with others that other people want to learn. So I hope that it's doing that, but that's something that we're, we're, we're trying to do. And I would be interested in hearing, I guess, I should ask some of the cooks that we've worked with, like, hey, do you feel like this has given you this? Because I would want to make sure that we really have done that.
3: As far as I know that, you know, part of a refugee resettlement process, uh, there is... A service. I am not, you know, still familiar with the Columbus community. I know it's very welcoming and it has a lot of resources, but I know that there are places where you help the refugees actually start businesses. So there are, I I definitely know that was how it was in Lickan, Nebraska, because these restaurants were really, really tiny mom and pop type places and then they grew over time. And uh, usually cooking is something which is very what would i say a skill that you know at least you know one person in the family has so definitely that's like the easiest thing to start so we i think should look into that if i don't know whether amanda and margaret have explored that and uh, we can definitely try to you know help them actually get on their feet and you know start something you know maybe a small business or whatever
1: I agree that that would be great. And so the the first cook that we worked with, I think is very interested in that and interested in having a catering business or a restaurant or doing this as as her um livelihood and she is was recently resettled um in the United States. And so I I don't know if there's anything like that in Columbus, but I think that if there were that would be amazing, something to sort of support and help someone as as they're starting starting a new food related business.
0: I'm curious, how many cooks do you work with
1: and where are they from? So we are very new. So we just started running programs back in July. And so for the cooking classes themselves, we've only actually worked with two cooks who have run classes. And then we have three more on the schedule um, coming up. But the first woman we worked with was from Syria. And so she was the one I was just, just mentioning who would like to run a food business and all of that. We've worked with Kukwa, who is from Ghana. We're working with a woman from Russia to run classes um, next month. Vadisha is going to be leading Indian cooking classes. And then Kukwa's mom is actually going to lead Ethiopian cooking classes for us in February. And then in addition to that, we have our community events. And for those, it's a wider range of people who are cooking. And so we've had people from from India. Again, we've had the um, Dominican Republic. Trying to remember other places that we have had. Turkey, Syria, again. Margaret, you want to jump in with any? I'm blanking on on our places for our community events. I think all of the
2: places that you keep mentioning are the ones that are in my mind, and then
0: you say them, and I'm like, oh, shoot, what's another one? (laughs) So, um... yeah. I love the diversity of those places. It's so cool that you're getting such a wide range of different cuisines and different communities Mm -hmm. coming together. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. and I think it reflects the fact that Columbus is, is a very diverse community and I think that as Bidisha pointed out, sometimes it's in pockets and people don't necessarily cross the lines out of their community as much, but I think this is a great
0: way for people to do it and from a variety of places, sort of meet. Kukwa, how do you see yourself as a culinary I'm diplomat and how did you get into this?
4: I think for me, it was Immigrating, because I came in when I was 18, and I didn't know how to make any friends. So the first few things I did was cook and invite people over, and my mom caught on to that. So we we ended up hosting many an alternative Thanksgiving dinner, so we didn't have the usual turkey. We just all brought different international foods and sat down and, and ate and talked so food was a way to make friends and to create a community when i had been uprooted for mine and i didn't i didn't have any other way of at least i didn't know any other way of making uh, a new a new um community so that's for me that's how it started i see myself in that role currently because now i have my my own um company so now it's almost like an imperative for me to to not only feed people, but to also include the conversation and to nudge people to have those conversations that they otherwise wouldn't have. But I, I look at all these little connections as things that ordinary people could be doing and aren't doing because no one is presenting them with the opportunity. And that's why I really jumped at better plate when I saw the article in the paper, and I thought, oh, my goodness, this is something I want to do, and I'm not able to do it in the capacity in which you're doing it because, you know, I'm running my business to survive. Like, that's how I'm paying my rent, so I can't really do a lot of bonus bono stuff with the food, but here is a chance to, you know, help out and be part of something bigger. So that's how I got started, and that's, you know, that's where I'm at.
0: Currently. You mentioned the alternative Thanksgiving dinners, and since at the time of this recording we're approaching Thanksgiving, I'm just curious, what kinds of things were you making for those dinners?
4: Well, first of all, we wouldn't have turkey because my mom does just, just not like turkey. But we would have we would make a pig pig feet stew. We would have whole tilapia, either baked or fried and stuff with, like, different spices. We'd make an okra stew with goat meat. We'd have, like, a... We have something called gariposa, and gariposa is yuca, which is a root, a root. So it was just really what we grew up with in Ghana, and then everybody else was encouraged to bring whatever they grew up with. So if, if they happen to be American, we asked them to find something other than church. But it was just a mix of people. Like, my mom's best friend is Ethiopian, so we had Ethiopian food. Lots of Dorawa and Shiro. Her other best friend from the neighborhood is from the Philippines, so she would bring something. It was, I mean, it was really a Thanksgiving table of all the things that we grew up with and we were thankful for. I mean, I think the U.S. For immigrants and refugees alike is a mixed bag of blessing and curse because you give up something to get something, but being able to sort of reclaim our power in that moment of we're not going to celebrate it the same way everybody else is is celebrating, or at least we're being told to celebrate, I think that gave us a little bit more empowerment.
0: I love what you said about bringing your own traditions into it since the Thanksgiving holiday is specific to the United States, but it is really about like tradition. And for a lot of people, it's about eating the same foods that you ate when you grew up. And so I just think that your, your alternative Thanksgiving is perfect. It's exactly what Thanksgiving should be. It's just maybe different from what a lot of people are doing. And I love that. But Now I'm also starving, so I want to move away from talking about what you're cooking because I'm jealous I'm not in Ohio eating what you're making. So actually, I want to move a little bit to a different question. And for Amanda and Margaret, this is kind of a side passion project, but for Kukwa and Badisha, this is a career and I would love if each of you could briefly give a piece of career advice to young women interested in pursuing a career or a passion project in culinary diplomacy.
4: I would say, don't give up. And I say this today because I'm, I'm sitting in my car and I'm on that verge of giving up. It's been a year of running the business as a business. And it's just, it's just been a really rough year. And I told my mom, I'm throwing a goodbye party because I can't do this anymore (laughs) but I think not giving up is the best advice and I'm going to take it myself too (laughs) yeah and I, I think that earlier I was trying to catch the conversation about starting a business and having a community and I took a women's business class when I was in San Francisco and it was six weeks of just 20 women working together to start their own individual businesses and I think We really could use something like that, especially for refugees, women and immigrant women, in getting started, especially where language is a barrier, English language is a barrier. So for me, I would say don't give up, but I also want to put myself out there to say if we're willing to work together, I'm willing to maybe craft something like that women's business class that I I was part of in San Francisco.
3: Badesha, what kind of advice do you have for young women? Uh, Well, you know, uh, for me, this was completely accidental. I never, you know, thought that I would ever have a business about food or cooking or classes or anything. But now I'm finding out not only that this is a very viable thing, but also Columbus especially is very, very small business friendly. And I can tell you uh, the place where I live that is a suburb of Columbus called Dublin. And they even give you free advice on how to run your small business. So that is quite amazing. So there are, uh, I mean, more than what you can expect in terms of what you need to get started. And definitely, I would encourage anybody who has interest in cooking in whatever capacity, like either catering or, you know, cooking classes. Only thing I think that Columbus doesn't allow and which is allowed in many other cities it's a service called Josephine or rather probably the company is called Josephine and what they do is they encourage you know people at cooking at home and then doing catering which is absolutely not allowed in Columbus but I know of other communities that they are really really doing great I I wouldn't say that there are not any people who are not doing anything like that but that's not really what the health department permits. But, you know, overall, if you really want to do, you know, do a business around cooking, this is a very good town to do that. And definitely one should at least give it a shot. Amanda,
1: what about you? For me, as you said, this is, this is more of a passion project versus my, my career directly. But I think one of the things that we've done that I think we've done well is try to build Connections to different communities and be involved with them, so that we sort of understand both what works well for them and what would be appealing. And so I'm I'm being very abstract. So I mean, more specifically, so I I volunteer at a refugee resettlement resettlement agency, and I I do it because I enjoy it as well. So I volunteer in the ESL classroom, um, but I think that just. Being connected in that way to that community sort of helps me understand more about what the actual resettlement experience is like at the beginning and sort of helps me think through when we're thinking about reaching out to cooks or holding events, like what some of the challenges might be. So in terms of like transportation and language and making sure we label foods correctly so people know um, if, if they can eat them or not and just thinking through a lot of that. And so I think there is a lot in Columbus of um, w- ways to get involved with communities and just it's figuring out how to do that and making sure that, that you're involved in various ways so you're actually understanding what's going to, to work well.
0: Margaret? Just would like to know if you have a piece of career advice for young women interested in pursuing a career or a passion project in culinary diplomacy finding
2: people that you can work with. I mean, I guess that's the smaller part of a community. I mean, volunteering, you know, absolutely. But, you know, even finding one or two people, like, I don't know, Amanda and I just kind of met each other through, I mean, I guess not odd circumstances and it just kind of, it worked. And I mean, maybe Amanda would have done this anyway, you know, had she not met me, I just think, you know, sometimes in life we find we find people, and they are out there, and you know they kind of have a large effect on the path that you follow. And sometimes you just have to look for them, and sometimes they fall in your lap. So if somebody's looking for a path, it's good to have a partner. So keep looking, look for a partner, and it's just a lot easier to do something moving forward that way. And if you can't find someone locally, find somebody online, and just get ideas together and see what can happen, I guess.
0: I think overall it is still really important. Thank you so much to everyone for the advice. I think every piece was excellent. And I want to ask my final question in the interest of time. And I asked this question at the end of every episode, yeah. so I'd love if everybody could share. What food symbolizes your identity?
2: Soup, <laughs> because it's just so many different things. I love soup and that's just because, I don't know, it's something that it fits
3: so many times a year, so many different moods that I'm in? I think for me, it's probably rice, because I grew up in India, and uh, especially the eastern part of India, that's a place where, you know, you get all kinds of rice, and so even when we, we cook rice, we can cook, I don't know, 25, 30, 50 different types of rice, so I think definitely rice is a thing uh, that I identify myself with.
4: Plantains, <laughs> they're a staple, just like rice, but they're sweeter. Most, I mean, when they're ripe, they're sweeter, and they make for a good snack. They make for a meal. We also use them for desserts. I like that it's versatile. Like You can make plantains in about five different forms in Ghana. Yeah, what I think would identify me as plantains, and I tell everybody – it's it's an easy culture bridge because it looks like a banana and the unripe version tastes like a banana when it's boiled. so people are able to bridge that gap. So for me, it's plantain.
1: So for me, it's coffee, partially because I drink a lot of coffee and think about coffee a lot. But for me, so I think coffee is very functional. Um, so it's something that people drink to get things done. But if you dive deeper into it, so many different varieties and roasts and ways you can prepare it, and it's from so many different regions of the world, it's just a very interesting drink to me as well as being functional.
0: I want to thank everyone for joining me today and sharing. I really appreciate you coming and being on this episode of Women in Diplomacy. Thank you,
2: Rebecca. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
2: Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks for listening to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. The theme song for this podcast is called Misty Moses, and it's by the artist Rodrigo y Gabriela. Use of that recording is graciously provided by Rubyworks Records in Dublin, Ireland. For more information and to download more music by Rodrigo y Gabriela, check out theforeignpolicyproject.org.